This podcast is edited and partly recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello everyone, welcome to Books Without Borders, the podcast where two people in different hemispheres come together to talk about our favourite things, books. I'm Emma. And I'm Nina. And we've unexpectedly had a week off again, and this time neither of us can figure out how it happened. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We kind of had to reshuffle, and then we reshuffled again, and now we're here. So, hi. (laughs) It's it's been two weeks. How have your two weeks been? (sighs) Two, what even happened in the last two weeks? I am in the same boat. <laughs> we're, we're both in chaos mode right now. It's just... It's just... Yeah, oh, I moved again. Yeah. That's another thing. You, moved, to, you moved again. Yet again. Really? Yet again. Mm-hmm. A little bit earlier than expected. It's no, what? I don't necessarily want to get into it in too much detail, but just to like <sighs> accept and embrace the fact that I moved again that it will be the last move until I go to Japan and that thankfully I didn't have too much of a heartbreak over it because I'm just used to it at this point now so I can't believe I'm just looking it. forward to next summer when I can hopefully rent a place for a longer term because I won't be going to school after that very much looking forward to it that's what's been like holding me through you know these moments where I'm like what is going on what alternate universe what like purgatory is this of a constant yeah holy that's again Mm -hmm. wow oh i'm so sorry (laughs) well it's okay it was expected it wasn't an unexpected move i had to leave the place that i was in eventually but i just had to leave it earlier than i thought that's all oh oh no so yeah you know Things happen. And would you like to tell the people where you are at the moment? Oh, yes. So currently I'm on vacation in Maine. I'm up here with my mom. My friend is going to come meet us tomorrow. And it'll just be a nice relaxing week on the beach in log cabins. Well, not really log cabins, but, you know, it's got the cabin vibe. Mm -hmm. Lots of timber and... uh, Timber, yeah. Oh, Maine is like real American country, you know? And (laughs) it's it's a change from city life, for sure and I don't know it (laughs) I don't know if I've said this before on the podcast but something really funny that's happened to me from moving away like out of the U.S. to Italy and like living abroad and stuff is that it really like made me appreciate America in a new Mm. way (laughs) like a funny way like partially for like you know, serious reasons, and then partially just because there is a nostalgia level that Mm. even if certain, like, characteristics of, like, American culture weren't a big part of my life growing up because I grew up in, like, one of the most unique cities in the U.S., one that's Mm. not super representative of general American culture, I remember, like, last semester feeling homesick and being like, ah, I just want to go to a dive bar and see a truck pass by and, you know I don't know, like, just these weird things that, like, didn't really connect with my actual childhood experience, but somehow felt familiar and comfortable. <laughs> Maybe it was just, like, a product of feeling homesick, but yeah. it, it was funny, and so now I'm, like, here, and I'm like, whoa, this is exactly what I was looking for a couple months ago, and <laughs> I can't say I dislike it. It's actually kind of mm. fun. People here are very warm and welcoming. Like, we went to a diner this morning for breakfast, and we were sitting down for, like, less than 10 minutes before some guy just sat down next to us and was clearly, like, the belle of the town. Like, mm. he just started chatting us up about how he's been 
been going to this diner for the last 35 years and how much he <laughs> loves his small town that he grew up in and how he like now started a convenience store that's like bringing the community together and mm-hmm. he was just like talking our ears off in this really lovely way where yeah. we were just excited to hear about his life because he was so charismatic and he had no reservations about this like just <laughs> breaking into some convo that's something that i've also noticed like as a difference between the u.s and at least europe is that in europe there's just like so many taboos and like social Mm. protocols that people don't feel as like like free to speak sometimes Mm. which (laughs) you know that does seem to be a very american (laughs) thing like yeah that's also very much not a thing in Australia. Like, if someone... Like, it's very rare that people talk to each other if they don't know each other in public. It's just not not really a thing you do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in New York, it's kind of the same. And, like, even to an extreme where you not only don't talk to other people, you, like, barely look at other people. Like, when I have oh, yeah, people that's, yeah. move to New York and tell me how they've noticed, like, all these weird things on the streets or, like, weird things that are going on, I'm like huh, I just never noticed those things because I do not look up. Like, honestly, mm. if I'm looking up, I'm looking at buildings or I'm looking at the ground. Those are the only two options. Like, I do not look mm. at other people generally when I'm in New York. And then to be up here, it's really refreshing to just, like, see everyone be so friendly and smiley and chat with you, mm. like, over literally nothing. And I'm definitely enjoying being up here. I've only been mm. up here, like, a day and a half basically but i come here once a year to stay on this lake i've been doing it since i was a kid and i actually haven't been in a couple years because of college like making summers chaotic but i've done this trip like probably 15 times now so it's really Mm. nice to be back oh it's lovely you get that gilmore girls experience every time yeah (laughs) yeah a show that you haven't watched somehow no i haven't watched that one i don't know every big sitcom kind of gal i I mean, I feel like you'd love it, though. (laughs) Everyone has told me that. Let me tell you, everybody has told me that. I don't know why. I'm also just not a TV person. I don't like the screens. It is a vibe. It's not Maine. It's Connecticut. But, like, it's a vibe. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Maine and Connecticut are very different. But I, I believe the vibe is there. And I should get to it eventually. Yeah. Anyway, my couple of weeks have been all over the place. Quite frankly, I feel like I'm just in constant catch-up mode from being sick most of June and also just exhausted. (laughs) So, like, my time has just kind of flown by and I don't really know what with and... I did have a couple of nice social catch-ups, which, while absolutely lovely, and it was so good to catch up with some high school friends. Also, again, very exhausting, so, like... (laughs) You know, the previous episode of this podcast came out quite late, and I apologize. I don't know if this current episode is coming out a week after the previous episode either, but if it did, go me. If it didn't, I was probably very fatigued, so I'm going to try not to apologize because (laughs) I keep apologizing so much (laughs) for what is essentially my life circumstances. And everyone who listens to this podcast regularly and is expecting an episode regularly is also aware of my circumstance. (laughs) And so I really feel like I should not be apologizing quite as much as I do. So, yes, when you have someone with disability and chronic illness editing a weekly podcast, sometimes that podcast is not going to be weekly anymore. (laughs) This is the reality of the situation. So, yeah, the podcast is going to come out as weekly as possible. We The podcast is going to come out. Period. But it's coming. It's always coming. <laughs> it's always coming. 
We have, we have, we've never left. We would tell you if we were planning to leave. We, had, we are not. We have no plans to leave. We are enjoying ourselves and we hope you're enjoying us too. Absolutely. Speaking uh, of things we enjoy, yes. how has your weekend reading been? I've been reading a lot, but I haven't been reading things I can talk about. So I'm going to do this annoying thing that sometimes happens on podcasts where I have to say that I'm doing a secret thing and I can't talk about (laughs) it, but I can talk about it a little. So basically, Nina is already aware of this, but I'm going to now explain to listeners. I've started basically writing reviews for an online service called onlinebookclub.org. And that means that sometimes I'm not going to be able to update you on everything I'm reading as I'm reading it because it relies on how quickly they are able to confirm the publishing of my review and I don't want to like push anything by saying like I read this but I can't tell you what I thought about it yet so like I'm just gonna not mention any of the books until I know whether or not my review is going to be published for any of them. (laughs) So basically, there are going to be some weeks where it seems like I haven't read as much as I normally would have. This is one of those times. (laughs) So I, I have one book completed that I can talk about. So yeah, this is going to happen every now and again. Hopefully it won't happen so much in the future because as I build up a more regular schedule, because I've literally just started doing this, as I build up a more regular schedule of book reviewing, the delay in their end of publishing the reviews, it'll all kind of balance out. So hopefully it won't be a problem in the future, but definitely for this episode and maybe for the next couple, it's going to sound like I'm not reading a lot. I promise I'm still reading. (laughs) It's just not going to sound like I'm reading very much. So in the last two weeks, I have read one book that I can actually tell you much about and I'm currently reading two that I can tell you about, (laughs) basically. So updates to come. Okay, well, I appreciate the suspense. So okay, I'm, all right. <laughs> I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be a fun addition to the podcast. So I'm excited okay. to see where this goes. And good <laughs> luck with this potential work opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, it's not going to be like a you know a massive money maker or anything, but it's something that I can do all on my phone when my body is too tired to do things, but my brain is still awake. So yeah, hopefully it'll at least give me some purpose when I'm physically at my worst, but mentally still feeling somewhat capable. So we'll see how it goes. Absolutely. Meanwhile, how has your two weeks in reading been? So I had one of those weeks where I did not finish a single book, but I picked up like six. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so lots of currently reading. A lot of currently reading. <laughs> <laughs> and to clarify, none of those currently reading books are books that I was reading. So books like How to Do Nothing or A Career in Books, those I'm still counting them as currently reading, but I have absolutely nothing to comment on them <laughs> because I haven't touched them since like what three weeks ago at this point. Like it's been right. a while. <laughs> yeah. But I have picked up, I guess okay, it's five books total that I've picked up. So I'll okay. be talking about those and the likelihood of me finishing those. We'll see. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. All right. (laughs) Well, I guess I'll start with my one finished book then. So I read, because it suddenly popped up in my library holds, the sequel to Her Majesty's Royal Coven, The Shadow Cabinet. Very exciting. And when I say I powered through this... I powered through this. Oh my goodness. It was so good. It was so good. This is one of the few occasions, I think, where in a trilogy, the second book is maybe even better than the first one. I really, whoa. 
I absolutely adored this book. It picked up right where the first one left off. Once again, Juno Dawson is a master of cliffhanger endings. So like we went from one cliffhanger ending in the first book to another one at the end of this book. And so now I really want the third one. And I saw someone post that she's writing like a prequel that's going to come out in Northern Hemisphere summer. So now I'm, that's like, that's cool and all, but like, can, can we have the third book please? So I'm a little... No, wait, wait, summer next year? I assume so, yeah. Oh my god. So, yeah, so you're not getting that f- third book for a while then. Yeah, I really hope that that announcement is like, that that's coming out after the third book. I don't know when the third book's coming out. I'm too scared to look it up because I don't want to be disappointed. I basically, I literally have been too scared to look it up. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to know how long I'm going to be waiting. <laughs> I was riding on too much of a high from the book. I didn't want to deal with any disappointment yet. (laughs) I'm just, I loved it so much. Editor's note, I rechecked the Instagram post and she did say specifically that the prequel book is going to be coming out before the conclusion to the trilogy. So yes, I will be waiting quite some time for book number three. Anyway, unfortunately, I can not talk about this book because anything I say will immediately be a spoiler for the first book because it literally picks up right where the first book ends. Mm. So there is absolutely nothing I can say about it plot wise. I can tell you more generally that in terms of like things I thought improved, I think that character depth definitely improved. So like now, you know, because we already had the foundation of the world and the magic system in the first book, there was no need to go into it again. So it it really is a true second book in that way. Like there's no way that this could ever be a standalone. So yeah, because the world is already set up, the magic system is already set up, some of the history is already set up, there's a lot more time for the character to be developed one of the new like main points of view is someone who is an incredibly complex character which is something that we didn't quite get in the first book like there the first book it was a little too black and white good and evil i think mm-hmm. which was something that didn't quite like I, I really really liked the first book don't get me wrong but the second one juno dawson really plays with complex characters a lot more and you know me, I love a complex character. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm here for that. So, yes, that was, I think, the main thing that really kind of lifted it a notch from the first book. Not that I'm saying that, like, makes the first book inherently not a good book in comparison. It's still fantastic. But, you know, it did what it needed to do in terms of the first book needing to focus more on the setup of the world and be a little more black and white in terms of the story it was trying to tell. So I think that both of them have their place. But just personally, for my taste, the second book, way better for me. <laughs> it's just way more about like the characters and the complexity of all that. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. So good. So I wish I had more complex thoughts than that to share, but I'm still just ah, so good. <laughs> I think what usually holds a book back as a second in a series, especially in a trilogy, is that the author never like really gives that second book the action it deserves or like mm. the development it deserves. It always feels like filler and it sounds like mm. this author did a really good job of putting some serious development in there to like make it feel totally like it's pushing the story forward and not just 
bridging two stories. Totally, totally. It feels almost like, I think I talked about this with the Neapolitan Quartet, the Elena Ferrante series that starts with My Brilliant Friend, how that series feels very much like she wrote one extremely long book and then split it into four. This is already starting to have that feeling of like, this was a story that was already fully formed and then has been split into three. I don't know whether that's actually how Juno Dawson has written this. I don't know whether she's already planned out the full trilogy, but I would be very surprised if she hasn't because it feels like each book is definitely having its own plot purpose. Mm-hmm. Definitely none of that problem of like, ah, uh, gotta think of something to do in this book. Like there's <laughs> none of that, which I really appreciate. So yeah can highly recommend for anyone who's looking for some fantasy and I was gonna call it light fantasy but I don't know if it quite fits light because it's the themes are dark political fantasy almost oh, it's okay, um fantasy fantasy but in a almost realistic setting urban fantasy urban fantasy I like that yes yeah yes urban fantasy that's usually yeah. like a genre that describes fantasy existing in the real world I don't know if this yeah exists yes in the real world, yes but... it is yeah yeah like I would call very secret society for regular witches urban oh i didn't know that was a pre-existing genre title that's the kind of fantasy i like urban fantasy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cool now i know thank you i didn't know that was like a pre-existing like genre subtype people had named <laughs> Harry Potter's like almost there. It's like not quite, but it's like on the border, which is one of the things that I like about it versus like the Lord of the Rings. Right. (laughs) It's like there's some familiarity there and some like things that I can see as being almost in the world. But like this, I actually like more, not gonna lie. Now that I'm in my adulthood, I like this as being like fully these people like integrated into the real world yeah it's definitely i don't know i guess harry potter's a hard one to really place because it kind of like goes along a fine line because yes, yeah in a way it's like hogwarts and the wizarding world is like a portal like to another yeah. world it's not necessarily integrated into the real world but yeah, yeah that, that's a good way to describe it that it's like part of the real world and that's probably what makes you feel connected to it you know yeah yeah I think that's why it probably works for a wider audience is because it suits both the right. people who are like looking for a completely separate world and the people who are looking for it to like fit into their world yeah no absolutely yeah, rise that line really well yeah anyway interesting so yes i can highly recommend for fans of the what i've just learned is called urban fantasy <laughs> genre <laughs> And, you know, people who are fans of witchy things in general, very, very good. Okay, wonderful. So, do you want to give me a couple of your currently reading? Sure. So, I don't want to take you through the story, like, chronologically. Sure, why not? (laughs) So, I guess the first one that I grabbed was Attack on Titan Volume 2. Mm -hmm. Got that from the library. It came in really quickly. I think the library already had it, so they didn't even have to, like, transport it or anything. I got a chunk of pages into it, and it felt similar to the first one. It really felt like, you know, obviously like a continuation. And like I might have mentioned last time, these volumes feel more like chapters than they do, like, books in a series. So I don't Mm -hmm. think I will have a separate judgment for this one very much as I do Mm -hmm. for the last one. I mean, it depends on where the story takes us. But it's not like the last one, like, left on a note that, like, 
I'm like really eager to get into the second one on or like there was an arc of a theme that I want to see how that like changes it, it's kind of like a continuing arc so yeah my thoughts on it are pretty identical to the other one and mm-hmm. the reason I didn't like fly through it even though it's like so short and easy to read is I don't feel super connected to the world and I'm not sure why because I love dystopian literature and dystopian scenarios so I don't know what it is about this one that I'm not connecting to maybe it's the main characters that I haven't gotten to know well enough yet maybe I need to explore more of the world because this world exists mostly within the confines of a small gated community of like the humans Mm. that are separated from the whole outside world of animals and titans and things Mm. and so I expect there to be some more development on like how titan supremacy came to be in this world but yeah I think it's that it's that I'm not super connected to the characters but also that I have a harder time I think reading graphic novels than I do with reading text like with text Mm. I just know where to make my eyes go and Mm. it's so straightforward and I think with graphic novels not Mm. only is there the element of reading text alongside images like putting it Mm. together in my brain and making sure I read it in the right order for it to make sense and oftentimes I don't so I have to go back and reread it there's also the element of this being a manga and therefore it's like in the opposite direction so I was about to say this is your first manga as well so you're not like you you haven't got used to the reading backwards thing yet yeah right right yeah that yeah I I did have a I did have a brief a brief manga phase in high school because we had like a really good manga collection at my high school library because one of the librarians was a big fan but I did have a brief phase once you get used to reading manga like once you get used to the format it's actually really easy but like it does take a while to rewire your brain (laughs) especially if you like because I came at it having never read a western graphic novel and Mm, so yeah so like I I actually the first time I'd read a graphic novel or comic of any kind it was a manga so like I think maybe it was a little easier for me to adjust but you know you've actually read several graphic novels and now you're having to do the like flip and in black and white for the first time apart from the Scott Pilgrim I think was the only other thing you've read in black and white so I can imagine it's a bit of adjustment right and I wasn't a huge fan of Scott Pilgrim either so maybe it had a part do with it but again i literally only made it into this book a couple of pages mm. so i can't make too many judgments yet i almost like barely call it a currently reading but the fact that i did pick it up from the library and open it at least once makes me feel yeah. like i needed to count it in this series yep. of books started within a very short period yep. of time so the second book i picked up was 10 minutes 38 seconds in a strange world the book that i found on the street mm. a couple episodes back mm-hmm. i decided to pick this up because it was one of the only like fiction books that I'd brought with me when I moved mm-hmm. and I think it called out to me somewhat because it's like new and you know you have that like new book bias mm-hmm. but also because it was a little bit like magical realism-y mm-hmm. and I've collected a lot of afterlife stories and I feel like you've been reading a lot of afterlife stories so I feel like I just wanted mm-hmm. to get into that so I started reading that and it is really good like I'm thoroughly enjoying it I'm probably 50 pages into it and I'm liking the characters the atmosphere it takes place in Turkey in modern day I think but it's also been reflecting a lot back on this person's like early childhood and you know the 20th century and Mm. so it's been flipping between times and it sort of it follows a young woman who I believe either she was a sex worker or people are interpreting her to be a sex worker based on what she was wearing at the time of her death Mm. but it's just her sort of being dead in a dumpster in Mm. the middle of a big city 
and sort of processing what happened to her and she's a really interesting character because she's like a bit image conscious and like talks a lot about how like she wants to be remembered and how she's like conflicted but how she's leaving the world in this kind of forgettable way you know Mm. that like no one knows she's there no one's around to like be with her as she departs from the world and that Mm. she's portrayed in the media as just some like faceless woman who probably was promiscuous you know just like based on the clothing she's wearing and the somewhat modest society that she lives in Mm. and it also goes into like like I said her early childhood and her mother and this complicated family dynamic she had growing up so it's been bouncing back and forth between timelines a bit and I really like that I don't know just like generally the atmosphere is really interesting to me because it has a sort of historical feeling especially because of like the modesty elements and because we are jumping in time but it's largely set in modern day. Like, even mm. the earliest parts are in, like, I think the 1950s or 60s. Mm-hmm. So, like, not that long ago, but there's something that feels very historical about it to me. Maybe just, like, coming from a very Western perspective, used to a much less modest society. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, I, there are definitely moments where I forget that this is set in a relatively modern time period. So, mm. it's... Got a lot of elements going on. Yeah. I'm also not too far into it, but I'm thoroughly enjoying it. The one thing that made me put it down, though, is that I'm not feeling a deep sense of connection. I've got this, like, mm. wistfulness right now for the connection that I remember having to books at a certain time in my life. Maybe when it was when mm. I was younger, or maybe it was when I was just, like, into a really intense, like, series that I got caught up with and, like, mm. couldn't put down. And I've had that experience fairly recently, too. Like, I don't know what the last one was, but, like, it's not like this is something that's rare for me. It's just something that hasn't happened mm. probably definitely all of this year. Mm. And I really want that. I don't want to sit through more books that I feel sort of mid about, you know? Mm. And so while I was enjoying this book and while it could like pick up to be something that I like more, I think I am craving a little bit more of a fantasy element that might like push me into Mm. falling head over heels into it. I even considered picking up Harry Potter just for that feeling of connection because I don't know. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. I I definitely That's that's my go-to for when I'm like, I just want to really like just dive head first back into a world that I know is going (laughs) to suck me in, you know. Right, right. I mean, I've been feeling like I'm in this sort of voluntary reading slump lately, mm. and that's mostly just because I'm not coming across books that I feel wrapped up in, but mm. like can force myself to read. And then I've just been doing a lot of that, like forcing myself to read and not thoroughly enjoying what I have been reading. And I don't know if that's like something where I, I could be enjoying those books if I was reading it at a different time, or if they're just not books mm. that I would ever enjoy. I'm not sure. And I also am not sure of how to get back into a series that I actually want to be reading Mm. so yeah I don't know we'll see we'll see I'm developing this I'm the one I am currently like currently currently reading is giving me a bit of this feeling so we'll get there (laughs) the (laughs) next book I picked up was funny enough Mrs. Dalloway by Virginia Woolf which I picked up because I was looking at the events list of my local libraries and by local I mean like all the libraries in the city in New York City and one of them happened to be a live audio listening group 
of Miss Dalloway. Mm. And so I brought my book to work one day and it happened to be at like 1 p.m. So it was like perfect for like a little Mm. lunchtime break. So I brought my book to work and I went to the reading and unfortunately there were only two people there. So it wasn't like a well-attended event. I kind of wanted it to be a little bit more social, a little bit more like conversation based or like dynamic. Also, they were like 50 pages into the book. So (laughs) I wasn't like really worried about spoilers too much because like you know Virginia Woolf's not much of a like a spoilery kind of read this one is okay okay well I whatever I got it didn't feel like a big deal to know going into the book yeah 50 pages in wouldn't be but right right and I'm certainly enjoying it but I was like ugh. and another thing about this book reading group is that it only meets every other week and right. the next week is this current week while I'm in Maine. And then mm. two weeks from now, I'm going to be in California. And then two weeks from then, I'm going to be in Japan. Like, it just won't work. <laughs> and so I basically put this one down. And I wanted to sort of ride the wave and just, like, turn it into a read that I take over on my own. But it didn't happen. It just didn't Fair happen, enough. unfortunately. Even though I did thoroughly enjoy those pages that I read. Mm. So on to the next book. <laughs> <laughs> I was at work and I was looking for something to read audio wise and I decided to pick up the next Shakespeare because I do want to listen to Hamlet before the live production Shakespeare in the Park mm. ends and I picked up that I read the first act again thoroughly enjoyed it like no mm. complaints and honestly was liking it at the same level as I was liking Julius Caesar mm. so I kind of expect this to be maybe a 4.25 but that's only one act into it i i just have a feeling i'm gonna like it i just you know i'm enjoying it so far and i'll probably continue it when i get back to work next week good but also something that's making my work recently a lot less audio heavy is that i've been training someone Mm. and so it's been a lot more social also my friend started working at the same company that i'm working at i have lunch with her Mm. so a lot less audio listening has been going on whether that's podcasts or audiobooks or whatever Mm. it is music oh on top of that (laughs) i feel like i'm rambling a bit but on top of that the little audio time that i do have is completely dedicated to taylor swift because she just (laughs) released a new album and i mean it's just a whole thing not a new album but she really speak now and it's a whole thing and i've been you know really enjoying that not i don't have spare time outside of that (laughs) audio wise lastly lastly i Mm -hmm. found you know i'm sitting in bed the other night thinking about like what do I want to read because I know I want to read something I know I want to like get immersed in something and not reading doesn't feel like the way to get there even though I don't want to read what I've been reading already and I don't want to keep picking up books that I just put down but I turned to a book that really came out of left field like I did not expect to start this book really anytime soon but here it came i was looking for that nostalgia i was looking for that fantasy i was looking for something easy that wouldn't like you know require too much brain power that i could get into that maybe i already like had a good sense of what the story was and that all led me to peter pan by jm barry oh (laughs) yeah so i've been reading that and absolutely loving it and I think I'm actually okay. going to stick with this one and finish it because it's exactly the vibe that I was looking for. Just like that hint of fantasy, that hint of nostalgia. Easy read because it's like mostly written for children, I think. But it's kind mm. of like the Chronicles of Narnia in which it's written for children but has like 
this voice that is only fully clear to adults. It kind of mm. feels like a book that's meant to be read to children by adults and has the goal of entertaining both, which is also how I felt about Narnia, which is mm. honestly a very impressive thing for a book to be able to do, to cater to two audiences simultaneously. Like, that's impressive. And I'm learning more about, like, the story and getting more of the details that, like, the movie that I grew up with didn't have. And so that's fun. Plus, like, there's something so attractive about Neverland as a concept, just like Hogwarts. Like, Hogwarts and Neverland live in the same place in my mind as, like, places I just want to be real and to be able to experience. And so it huh. surprised me that I've never, like, really picked this one up before because I've had a copy of it for forever. But now that I'm getting into this world, I'm realizing how much I love it. And I have a feeling I'm going to have a real book hangover after this because it's not like Harry Potter in which there are seven books. I think this is the only book in this world, unfortunately. Hmm. In fact, it might be the only book by J.M. Barry because I just clicked on Storygraph to look at other books and it looks like she has some short... No, these are like co-written by other people which makes me think they're like... Is J.M. Barry a she? I don't think... Oh, she's not? I always just assume she's a she. Wait, let me look it up. Don't think so. I mean, published in James 19... James Matthew Berry. Yeah, I was about to say published in 1911 and a book aimed at boys usually. <laughs> well, the main characters, I mean... The main character is Peter. It feels like a very feminine, feels like a very feminine book for some reason. How, how far through are you? Maybe less than 50 pages, but like... Okay. A good chunk. Cool. What? You've Have you read this before? Yep. And you don't like it? No. That's what I hear from your voice. Really? I hate this book. Really? Yeah. This is a two-star oh two star book for me. What do you hate about it? Uh, for one thing, it's incredibly dated. Okay, I haven't gotten anything too dated yet, so maybe that's... Oh, you will. Um, <laughs> you'll know exactly what I mean when you get there. But, like, even putting that aside, it bored me to tears. Really? But again, maybe this is just because it's the difference between you and I in terms of, like, you like being swept away in an atmosphere and I'm right. not into that. So there was nothing in it for me. I'm glad you're enjoying it. <laughs> Totally fair. I understand that. Yeah, I'm definitely here for the atmosphere and thoroughly enjoying the atmosphere. And I mean, I don't know, it's tough with things that become dated. I mean, I read a lot of things that are dated because, you know, most of literature is read in a, yeah. most Look, of so do I. In a time that it yeah, wasn't. <laughs> so do I. And I, can, and I can put those things aside if they're the only things. Like if I've right. enjoyed the rest of the book otherwise, and it's just like a few things that I need to set aside. But if I also haven't enjoyed the book, then it's like, I look, honestly, you might enjoy it. I feel like it's too much just atmosphere and adventure and mm. nothing else for me. But you right. will probably enjoy it. I don't know. Right. Yeah, I guess it's also hard because, like, the characters are children and I feel yes. like a lot of the time, like... This is also not my thing. <laughs> they're not... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And also yeah, the yeah. idea of Neverland being like a place that's like to strive for is uncomfortable, is like not something that I agree with personally, but I don't know, maybe you'll feel the same by the end of the book. Mm -hmm. I definitely remember there being a darker implication behind Neverland than there is like around Hogwarts, but I guess in my mind, they're a similar concept. And I almost kind of like that there's 
more sort of clarity in that the sort of fantasy world mm. that is supposed to be the ultimate goal is not all it's cracked up to be compared to like Hogwarts never you know loses its charm like yes, it goes yeah. through war and it doesn't lose its charm and yeah. I kind of like the like the realism of a complicated fantasy world yeah you know yeah definitely so I I feel like I'm gonna enjoy it but we'll I think see. I think you probably will as well but we'll see I'm really looking forward to talking about it more when you finished actually I feel like this will be a very interesting one to talk about because definitely. I have strong feelings and I'm probably unusual in my feelings. I'm just going to check what the general ratings are on this one. Yeah, 3.86 is the average rating, so which is fairly high. So I think I'm unusual in my feelings towards this book. Mm. And it probably does stem from that. The moods listed on Storygraph, most people list it as adventurous, as like 93%. <laughs> so I feel like this was just never going to be aimed at me <laughs> and yeah. especially like I read it I can't remember exactly when but it was definitely in my like either late teens or early 20s like you know 1920-ish which is probably when I had my least tolerance for adventure novels as well <laughs> so I'm very much looking forward to talking about this when you're finished okay good to know yeah. I've already been like taking notes and underlining things in mm. anticipation of like maybe one day doing like a book club on it or a book talk with you so well we can do that because i have already read it (laughs) i don't know how much of the actual details i remember but i'm sure when you prompt them things will come back to me perfect it's been a while since i read it but yeah speaking of complicated books that we have strong feelings about and are dated how is jane Eyre going yeah good segue because um (laughs) that is one of the books i was going to talk about next i'm halfway through now and Wait, what? Can you tell me what chapter you're on? Because that's like very important. Okay, I just finished chapter twenty-one. Okay. Oh, yikes. Okay, you're almost there. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. There's a big reveal coming apparently. <laughs> So for people who know the book, a biting incident has just occurred. Mm -hmm. A mysterious biting and stabbing incident has just occurred. (laughs) Once again, the fact that people compare this book with Pride and Prejudice is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, there's no comparison. There's literally nothing in common. They're literally nothing alike. And I mean, Charlotte Bronte says it best herself in the fact that she hated Jane Austen's work because Mm -hmm. it had no passion in it. And, you know, in in her opinion, Jane Austen was like a woman. I think she's totally wrong. (laughs) But. Well, yeah, exactly. Hang on. This, I actually found the funniest quote about this. Hang on. I feel I'll, I'll like literally, I mean, I guess I feel passion from Rochester. I feel very minimal passion from Jane about Rochester. I mean, I disagree. She clearly is trying very hard to make us like him. Right. Which, by the way, not working. So the thing is, and this is what I, the main thing I wanted to talk about, is that I feel like at this stage of the novel, I'm meant to like Rochester. Right. And I don't. At no point in this novel, like, Jane, as the narrator, is trying so, so hard to convince me that she loves him and that, by the way, I'm assuming this isn't a spoiler because, you know, anyone who's even heard a little bit about Jane Eyre will know that the name of the love interest, but, like, she's trying so hard to convince me that she loves him and... That he's, you know, worthy of that. And from what I've heard online, I feel like I'm supposed to like him. But I, I don't. I just, oh, no. I just don't. You're, you're supposed to like him from the moment he falls off the horse. And I've never started liking him. Thank you. Oh, my God. I'm so glad it's not just me. Because I, I, I just... He's coming across from the moment we meet him as 
condescending and manipulative. Right. And the idea that this is meant to be a feminist text, and this people talk about it all the time as a feminist text because a couple of times she stands up for herself. And I know in the context of the time, that's probably a lot, right? But I just cannot stop questioning everything that this man is doing and saying. And there's been a couple of incidences that have been such huge red flags mm. that I'm mm-hmm. like... I know this is probably meant to be leading up to some big reveal, but I feel like it's just not going to be that big of a reveal because he's been suspicious from the moment we met him. And I don't know how he was meant to be not suspicious. Like, of the time, even, there were a couple of things that are just really suspicious (laughs) behaviour. I mean, we will do a full book talk about this probably in one of the early August episodes. Editor's note, it's actually going to be in the next episode. So if people want to maybe try and have read Jane Eyre by then, if you really want to, or if not, you can listen another time. But because I do want to talk about this book in depth, spoiler free, because there's a lot to unpack here. There's so much to unpack. But the thing is, I'm actually enjoying the book itself. Okay. I'm enjoying the gothic style. I quite enjoy the writing style. I'm just stunned at, I'm just constantly going back to why do people keep comparing this to Pride and Prejudice? Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> oh yeah, I, I would let go of that. That curiosity will never be satisfied, so. <laughs> I, it just, you know, it's just completely different in every way. The, I mean, this, just to give you an idea, is how Bronte thought of Jane Austen's writing. Her business is not half so much with the human heart as with the human eyes, mouth, hands, and feet. What sees keenly, speaks aptly, moves flexibly, it suits her to study. But what throbs fast and full, though hidden, what the blood rushes through, what is the unseen seat of life and the sentient target of death, this Miss Austen ignores. She no more with her mind's eye beholds the heart of her race than each man with bodily vision sees the heart in his heaving breast. Jane Austen was a complete and most sensible lady, but a very incomplete and rather insensible, not senseless, woman. So basically she's saying Jane Austen doesn't have any passion and is like very much a lady, but not a real woman because she doesn't show passion. I'm like, if you fail to see passion in Jane Austen's writing, that is not... You haven't read it. (laughs) You haven't read it properly. (laughs) Honestly, just because she doesn't like go over the top doesn't mean it's not there. It's just a very different style of writing. Like Jane Austen is a very light, quippy, witty writing, whereas the Bronte, apparently from what my mum says, all the Bronte sisters write in a much more over the top gothic Melodramatic. melodramatic style. And the fact the fact that Charlotte Bronte literally just fails to see any passion at all in the light witticisms, like, it's there. You just got to look a little harder, you know. What my mum said was, I, th- I thought was quite apt for, for music lovers. She was saying that Jane Austen is like a Mozart or a Haydn, whereas Charlotte Bronte and the other Bronte sisters are more like a, you know, a heavy Wagner, you know? <laughs> like, it's right. the the, pa- the passion and the feeling comes across in very different styles. <laughs> like a Beethoven. 
Yeah, yeah, it's um, or Beethoven somewhere in between, probably. But Wagner's very, you know, over the top, and you know, you feel everything fully through your bones, and there's no subtlety, and you know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Whereas Mozart and Haydn, it's very much lighter, and you have to kind of pay a little more attention to get the subtleties and that kind of thing. So yeah, obviously it's a very different writing style. But the fact that Charlotte Bronte literally is like on record as saying Jane Austen is a very sensible lady, but you know, basically not a real woman, <laughs> like it's like. Excuse Honestly, me. Honestly, that feels like such like a pick me attitude. I know. <laughs> sort of what I'm getting from that, like especially because there's such an argument in that time period for like women being emotional but not having mm. depth, you know. Yeah. And so she's sort of like buying into that, being like to be a real, fully feeling person, like mm. you have to, you know, write in a certain way. But the thing is that the way that Charlotte Bronte writes the melodrama and the gothic tone mm. is almost more reminiscent of most books written by men because it reflects like mm. the pacing of life for men. Like men at that time were responsible for, you know, like going into battle and going on adventures, traveling, mm. all of these very dramatic things. Whereas I think the beauty of Austin and the thing that makes it feminist is that it focuses and gives importance to the life of women who lived quieter, more stationary lives, but mm. had just as much inner turmoil and complex emotion and experience as men did. Mm. And so I think the way that like Jane Eyre is feminist isn't necessarily in like the plot or even like the romance but it's just like in paying attention to the female experience mm. or maybe giving the female a depth of emotion that yes. male writers yep. at the time didn't give their female characters. Oh definitely like it, of the time absolutely yeah I completely agree. Right. It's just that but I, I feel like Jane Austen's more feminist. In my definitely opinion. I completely agree and people don't seem to see it that way because it's more overtly to do with like marriage and good partnership and stuff and people don't I think give but it's like it that much was credit life and death but that is literally women. all the options they had at the time that's that's right. all there was and <laughs> so the fact that like... I mean Pride and Prejudice is I mean all, all of her books really but Pride and Prejudice especially is such a good example because the men really are never the focus of a scene mm-hmm. and when they are Mr. Collins style they're irritating <laughs> right yeah. Right. I think it's also like what's astonishing about it is that like in a lot of literature that is male focused and written in that time, including Jane Eyre, the stakes are based on a certain kind of violence, a very like mm. physical, environmental violence, whether that's military violence or maybe it being in prison or in some sort of political violent situation or like in Jane Eyre I'm thinking of times when maybe she you know to tread lightly on spoilers as like doesn't have secure resources let's say um, later in the book but I think what makes Jane Austen's work so powerful and moving for me is that she portrays these situations of marriage as threatening in a real way Mm. because there's the threat of not being married and having no situation to support Mm. you and there's the threat of being in a relationship with someone who can do harm to you yeah and there's like real violence that those domestic situations Mm. imply that isn't taken as seriously as the other kind of more like physical violence that's associated with like war and stuff so that's 
you know, anyway, I think Jane Eyre relies too heavily on the more masculine form of violence mm. in literature at that time. And so that's why it's a little bit less impressive to me. That's interesting. Both styles of story definitely have their place. The thing is, we wouldn't be comparing them if other people didn't keep <laughs> doing that. Like, there's, it's... It's just so odd that people keep doing that. So many people online keep saying, if you like Pride and Prejudice, you'll like Jane Eyre. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> They're completely, completely different styles. And I have no idea how this happened. Mm -hmm. But it's everywhere because I remember when I was looking for books similar to Pride and Prejudice, Jane Eyre kept popping up on every second article. And I don't know how this is happening. Mm -hmm. And it's just absolutely flabbergasting to me. Like, the, the, this is the only reason we're comparing them, because it's totally fine for these authors to have different approaches and to, you know, be doing things different ways. It's not like we would be comparing them otherwise, honestly. Why would we? <laughs> Literally. It's totally different. And also, if Charlotte Bronte hadn't, you know, <laughs> directly made a comment about <laughs> Jane Austen's lack of passion yeah. as a person, apparently. <laughs> you know. Ugh. I think also, well, going back to the, the book itself and the characters and yes. <laughs> the difficulty connecting with them or really understanding them, it doesn't only come from their time period and like their roles in society or for me, like what experiences they're going through. They're just like at their core, not very likable people, in my opinion, mm. either of them. And I have a hard time like rooting for them. Like, maybe I've, I've just been binging The Office recently, and now that we're thinking about it, they give me such, like, Angela and Dwight. I don't know if you're an office person, but... Yeah. <laughs> like, they're, like, the two unlikable people in the room who only work because they're both unlikable. And I feel like the thing that you like about that sort of dynamic is, like, laughing at them a little bit, not just, like, I wouldn't read about or watch a show about Angela and Dwight unless... I had the context of thinking that I, I'm laughing at them rather than mm. following their love story. You know what I mean? And that's sort of how I feel about Jane Eyre as well. In that, like, I read the whole book basically twice because I read up to a certain chapter. Let's say people who have read the book know the chapter. The chapter where it all goes down. I read up to that chapter and I was like, what the actual heck? Like, what is going on? My brain just broke. And I need to basically start all over again. So I started all over again. And the first time I was reading it, trying to like it and trying to like them. And I didn't like them. I was just confused. And so when I went back and I read it with more perspective, I was able to sort of laugh at them and enjoy the writing and enjoy the experience of the book a little bit more because I was able to be like, okay, I'm not pressuring myself to develop any attachment to these people. Mm. And I can sort of like, laugh at them from the outside that is how it's more enjoyable for me yeah I don't think I'm trying to like them I <laughs> good for you that's the correct way I think well because I've been suspicious of this dude from the beginning and the book very clearly sets up that there's secrets going on and that there will be a reveal coming and so I've felt no need to not be suspicious of him <laughs> so I'm not trying to like him I feel nothing towards Jane herself I feel absolutely nothing. <laughs> she's just the narrator, as far as I'm concerned. I don't really Billy care. Billy a little entertaining. He's kind of funny, you know? I'll laugh at him. Look, I don't feel that either. Um, <laughs> I, he's just a suspicious character, slightly creepy, very manipulative, as far as I'm noticing so far. Very odd behavior. Really odd. Yeah, no, truly the definition of odd. Really uncomfortable sometimes. <laughs> we'll talk about it more in the spoiler episode, but there's a couple of things he's done that I've had to just text Nina and be like, did this guy really just... Yeah, he did. And everyone's just gone, well, not everyone, <sighs> just just Jane has just got, has gone, oh, how funny. What a, what a funny thing to do. And I'm just here like, 
Excuse me? <laughs> Excuse me? That's not... No? No, no. No, no. Even of the time. No, no. That's a weird. That's a weird thing to do. Yeah. No, it was very So we'll, we'll definitely talk about that when I've finished the yeah. book. It, this, is, this is a weird book. This is a wild ride. It's a really weird book. And I am so glad that I can finally commiserate with someone on it because I, when I read this book, I had no prior input from anyone who had disliked it. Really? So like, at least okay. you had me going into mm. it. Whereas like when I went into that book, like, I'm going to tell the story once we get into the long episode. But when I went mm. into that book... I had just, before I had even read it, I signed up for group reading of mm. this book with other people who love this book. Oh, no. That and would be so frustrating. I just felt like the person who was leading it was someone I trusted so much mm. as like a literary analysis person. You know, oh, someone no. who like, like yeah. I really thoroughly respect. And like, okay, she has a good, she has a good analysis of this book in the end. Like it was, it was good. But I went into this book expecting not only to like it myself because it's generally a like or loved classic, mm. I should say, but also because people I personally deeply respect love this book. Mm. And I had the intention of going into a whole week long reading retreat. Mm. <laughs> With people who love this book. And I felt so confident that I bought and planned on going to this retreat months in advance to actually reading the book. That's how confident mm. I was that I would love this book. It was a lot. It was a really, it was a really intense time in my life. And I can't that's, wait to tell you the full story. Uh, yikes. Yeah, that, no, that's, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I was, that's a lot of pressure for this so book confused. to not live up to. Yeah. I was so confused. Yep. I literally will always remember the moment of putting this book down and being like, what just happened? And then I mm. took like a week off to like process and then start it all over again. Mm. We'll go into that later. I have to say, I'm very much looking forward to getting to the end of this and seeing what my reflections on it will be because at the moment I'm enjoying it, but I don't think for the reasons that I'm meant to be. Mm -hmm. Like, there were definitely several things that I didn't enjoy about it and that I think I was meant to. And again, I'll get into those in more detail in the spoiler episode. But, like, I know this is meant to probably be a romance story. I'm enjoying it as a horror novel. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's, it's a horror. It's really, really horrifying. By the end, you're like, I am aghast mm. and scared. And yeah. the fact that people see this as pleasant is actually mm. scary because it's horrifying. Anyway. It's set up well as a gothic horror with some unfortunately annoyingly boring romance sections. Right. Basically. It's, but the thing is, so the horror I can't even get into it. I can't even you just have okay. to read it. You'd have to read it and we'll have to talk okay. about it. Cool. I think we should transition away because we've been talking about this for a while and Fair I don't want to take enough. away from the content of the the full reveal episode. Yes, so moving on to the other book I'm sort of currently reading. You might remember that for Buzzwords this month I was planning to read We Are the Weathermakers, which was that like book about climate change that was published in like 2005, 2006 or something like that. And I realized about, you know, one and a half, two weeks into the month that I was avoiding picking it up. And that's a clear sign that as someone who's not a mood reader, I just need to unhaul this. Right. So that's what I'm doing. I'm unhauling that one. I 
even in my subconscious was just like there's no point in me reading this this is very old and it's aimed at like it's like the young adult version of the full book and even then it's like it's gonna be all out of date (laughs) it's just not worth reading anymore if I'd read it at the time that someone gave it to me I'm sure it would have been great but I didn't (laughs) so you know there's no point reading it now so I unhauled that which, you know, is one of the things that I'm planning to do with all these challenges is, you know, find books that I forgot I owned and either read them or unhaul them. So, you know, I'm still counting that as a win. Perfect. But what I'm doing instead for buzzwords for the weather-related word, I noticed that sunshine was one of the words that was listed as like an example word of a weather word. So I figured sunbeam was also Mm -hmm. appropriate. So I'm going to be reading, well, and I have started reading On a Sunbeam by Tilly Walden which is a chunker of a graphic novel. It's 533 pages long. Wow. Hefty book, very heavy. It's also going to fit into my Adventures in Eldia prompt because I'm reading it only at night. It's my before bed book, but I've only done it for one night so far, so I've only read like a couple of chapters. (laughs) But basically it's a graphic novel. It's a sci-fi graphic novel. It's a dual timeline setup, and each timeline has a different color palette, which is cool. So you're like really clear on which timeline you're in. One of the timelines, the main character is working as it's kind of like a, a restoration architect construction kind of person I think which you know sounds right up your alley in terms of interest level but that's you know that's what they do in like the the present timeline and in the past timeline it's during their school days back at their like fancy private school girls school it's listed as an lgbt graphic novel so i assume that there's some romance small girls content related things coming in there but yeah i'm enjoying it so far i really have like barely started it but the art is beautiful and i've only heard good things about it from people who have read it so i'm looking forward to getting more into that one Wonderful. Exciting. Yeah, I look forward to hearing about it. Do you have any hauls for this week? I don't have haul, but I can give you a TBR. Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay, so this one has a really cool cover, (laughs) which is 90% of the time the reason I haul something. Mm -hmm. But the reason I think I added this to my TBR is because I found it through my library it was one of my library recommendations i still get those emails every day a book a day recommendation from my library Mm. which they aren't all winners so i'm glad i get it but it also doesn't do too much damage to my tbr pile Mm. anyway this book is called the weeds by katie simpson smith and it was published in 2023 in april so if i were to read this it would fulfill my april requirement for a new release book which i never completed so just in the back of my mind not pressuring myself to read it but I was excited by the concept, so... Nina continuing to fulfill her challenges even though she said she wasn't going to fulfill her challenges. <laughs> the only way I can fulfill my challenges is without having the obligation. Yeah. So Love it. from what I remember of the description my library gave, it follows two women in different time periods. One, I believe, modern day and one in like the 1800s who mm-hmm. both travel to the Roman Colosseum in pursuit of cataloging the natural plant life that's there. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know much else, but I think it's about, like, how the plant life has changed and the role of that research in either time period. Like, I think it might have, like, a climate element to it. I could be wrong on that. But 
I don't know, just the idea of these two women botanists who connect through time. I don't think it's got, like, a fantasy element to it. I think it's just, like, marrying the two time periods. Mm. It just sounds really specific and really cool, especially Mm. because when I think of, like, the Roman Colosseum and maybe what plant life live there i think of also like how that plant life was specifically influenced by the activities of the roman coliseum and how it might have like an interesting very specific ecosystem just because there was a lot of like death you know Mm. animals and people and how that might affect the natural biome of that space Mm -hmm. so yeah i don't know too much about this one but it sounds really cool it's got a cool cover Mm -hmm. it's got an italian element it's got plant element which i don't know if i've ever really talked about my plant interest but i'm a big plant person i'm like a plant mom (laughs) of like 30 plants oh my god when I'm home in New York at least and my mom takes care of them in the interim but yeah no I think this would cross a lot of my very niche interests Hmm. so cool yeah sounds perfect (laughs) what about you do you have any haul for this week or TBR? No haul, but I'll share my most recent TBR ad. It's called Broadband by Claire L. Evans. This is a non-fiction feminist history science technology book, and it's a little history on the internet, basically, hmm. about the female visionaries that have always been at the vanguard of technology and innovation. So from Ada Lovelace, who wove the first computer program in 1842 to Grace Hopper, the tenacious mathematician who democratized computing after World War II, Elizabeth Feinler, the one-woman Google who kept the earliest version of the internet online, and Stacey Horn, the New York cyberpunk who ran one of the world's earliest social networks out of her New York City apartment in the 1980s. Basically, it's a whole book about the overlooked tech mothers and grandmothers showing us that if there's a boys club that dominates Silicon Valley today, it's an anachronism. (laughs) So I like that. I don't know. I just thought it was a really cool angle on the tech industry. I don't know a lot about the tech industry, so I feel like this will be a nice introduction to the tech industry to see it just from the angle we're not shown more openly. Absolutely. That sounds fascinating, Mm. and I'm not either. I'm also not really interested in, like, the tech industry, too, specifically, but Mm. that sounds like a good little bit of knowledge to know. Yeah. Good, like, knowledge to bring up in conversation your own tech that, like, most people don't know, you know? Yeah. Like, of those names, the only one I'd heard of was Ada Lovelace. Mm -hmm. And all the others I hadn't heard of, and the fact that I haven't heard of them feels like the reason I should read this book, you know? Right. Totally. So, yeah. That's my TBR pick for this week. And now we shall move on to our segment for this week, which is a belated media book freakout tag. So this tag, if you're someone who is a regular consumer of booktube or book blog content, you will absolutely have come across before. This is a very, very popular tag created in, I think, originally like 2012 in blogs by Read Like Wildfire and Earl Grey Books. I'll link in the description to the first time I believe it appeared in video form by Earl Grey Books. We're doing a slightly modified version. I'll leave the 10 questions that we're doing in the show notes as well. And yeah, shall we just get into it? Yeah, I'm down. I'm excited to be doing a tag again. I missed these. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a while. (laughs) I don't know if these are the most popular episodes, but they're some of my favorites. I just love book tags. <laughs> I enjoyed them too. All right, cool. So first up, we have number one, the best book you've read so far this year. So I went with a book that I'm describing as the best based on 
like the best quality book because Mm -hmm. as I've said numerous times like I've had some good reads this year I haven't had any standout big knockout Mm. type reads but of the better half of the books that I've read the one that I want to say is like the best book in terms of like quality and craftsmanship is my year of rest and relaxation that Mm, book was really well crafted it deserved all the hype that brought Otessa to stardom in the literary world Mm -hmm. I think it's really unique it's got a fascinating angle and a new very original writing style and pacing and In general, I think this book brought something to the literary world that it didn't have before. And I think for that, it's one of the best books I've read this year. For sure. Hmm. Okay, cool. I had no idea what your answer to this was going to be. So that was, that's, that's interesting. Cool. What about you? So if we're counting rereads, I'm going to have to go with The Book Thief by right. Marcus Zusak. That's, you know, my only full 10 out of 10 on the core pile spreadsheet. It's got its own special stripe in my scarf. If we're not counting rereads, I was looking on my core pile spreadsheet so that I could be as objective as possible because I couldn't choose because unlike you, I've had a great reading year so far. <laughs> not to rub it in. It's actually a recent read, 10 Steps to Nanette, A Memoir Situation by Hannah Gatsby, Mm. was my second highest rated purely by like the number I got on the core pile spreadsheet. Oh, interesting. Wow. I didn't expect that one. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. It obviously made a strong impression on me. Amazing. (laughs) Love it. Love it. All right. Question number two, a new release from the first half of this year that you want to read. So I'll jump in first with this one. This was a really easy pick for me. Yellowface by R.F. Kuang. Ah, yeah. Which, by the way, I was already planning to read soon, but it's actually been chosen as the August Gumption Club book club read. So definitely we'll be reading very soon. Very exciting. Okay, I'm glad. So yeah, listeners, if you're wanting to read Yellowface in the next couple of weeks or so, I would highly recommend because we're going to be doing a book talk in the next few weeks or so. Very exciting. Yes, I look forward to that thoroughly because there's so much to unpack there. And I'm glad that you're doing it also with another book club that'll like inspire more conversation. So this is definitely a good book club read. Mm. I'm excited for you and I'm excited for us. <laughs> for my new release that I want to read, this one was hard to choose because I've read a bunch of the new releases that I wanted to read yeah. already uh, from the first half of the year. But one that I wanted to do and didn't end up getting to was The Crane Husband by oh. Kelly Barnhill and I'm choosing this one out of the many that I've collected of like new releases that I would be interested in reading because it is a retelling of a Japanese folklore story and because I'm going to Japan I've been like more interested in picking up Japanese works of literature and obviously this is not original this is a retelling like I said so yeah it's different but I thought it would be one of the books that I'm more likely to be interested in picking up because of my later half of the year. So the name Kelly Barnhill has just jumped out at me and I really hope this is not the woman who wrote When We Were Dragons. Oh no. Yep, When We Were Dragons. She did write that. Oh no. Oh no. Okay. Okay, to be fair, to be fair, a lot of other people in my book club actually really liked it. And also this one doesn't have dragons. (laughs) (laughs) There is the dragon curse, yes. (laughs) We'll see. We'll and see. I think Maybe When it's... Were Dragons was her first ever non-children's book. Mm. So there's a good chance this one will be better. Okay. Yeah. Well. Hopefully. 
the prompt says a new release from the first half of the year that you want to read, and I took it a step further by saying this is a new release I would be most likely to want to read this year. Yeah. And that doesn't mean I'm going to read it. So <laughs> this is purely hypothetical, but that's what I'm going with. So if I do get to it, that would be very interesting to discuss how I felt about her writing. And, yeah. You know, we can go into that more. Anyway. <laughs> that's so interesting because you mentioned this book ages ago and we were both kind of excited about it. Yeah. And then since then, I've now read When Women Were Dragons and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, almost that feels like more motivation. Other people enjoyed it. So I will it could just judgment. be not my style. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Question three. A highly anticipated new release for the second half of the year. I've noticed that the rain outside has been getting progressively slightly louder, unfortunately. That's okay. Okay. It sounds nice. Yeah. Anyway. Of the books that I compiled for my new release challenge for the second half of the year, the one I'm most interested in picking up is The Death I Gave Him by M. Liu. Mm -hmm. It is described as a lyrical, queer, sci-fi retelling of Shakespeare's Hamlet as a locked room thriller. Oh. And since I'm in the middle of Hamlet and will probably soon be finishing it, I would be very interested in a retelling of it. That one comes out in September, so we'll see where I'm at at that point in life, but I will be very curious to pick up this one as I expect to enjoy Hamlet very much. Hmm. Okay. Okay. What about you? I've gone with Rouge by Mona Awad. Mm. I'm yet to read any of Mona Awad's other books apart from All's Well, which I really need to because I loved <laughs> All's Well so much. And from what I've heard about Bunny, I think I'll love that as well. But Rouge sounds like it's essentially about a cult that is set up within like a spa experience oh, and boy. it's like to do with people who are like obsessed with like skincare and beauty and then they're lured into like some kind of spa cult of some kind and it just sounds like it's got the horror creepy vibes that I think you know she'd be really good at <laughs> so yeah that sounds like it's going to be really well done and I am planning on eventually reading everything that she's written so that sounds I'm really good. That one. And it's got yeah. a great cover. It does, yeah. The Blooming Rose. And like the 70s style font. I love it. Question number four. The biggest disappointment so far. I would like to skip this one, but I guess I will fess up to having read the book that generally shall not be named, but I will name this one time. <laughs> and hopefully never have to again. <laughs> Damsel? That book? Mm. I don't even remember who wrote it, and she's not important. Sorry, that's maybe a harsh <laughs> judgment, but... I don't think I'll ever be reading anything by her again, so I don't really need to know her name. Started with E, didn't it? Maybe. I don't. I think I like <laughs> psychologically blocked it out. I almost forgot that I read this book, and then I went to my like stats and story graph, and was like, oh right, right, I did have a one star mm. book this year. Yeah, it's like the year it. of the cursed dragon book. Oh yeah. yeah, don't read any books about dragons. Apparently, like they just don't work. Oh, specifically about people turning into and out of dragons. Right, and like feminism. Feminism yeah. and dragons don't go well together. Apparently, I would love, absolutely love, for someone to submit, you know, on like the email or something, a book recommendation for us that's like a redeeming dragon feminism yes. story. Please. Yes, please. I if might not be ready for a, it. Yet, if there's a good but... one. I, I'm yeah. open to the idea that there's one out there. <laughs> For me, this was actually really hard because the books I rated low this year, I didn't have high expectations of because I'm usually good at knowing what I'm going to like and what I'm not going to like. Like even, you know, when we were dragons and whatnot, 
I didn't have expectations that I would like it going in. So interestingly, the book that I'm having to list as my biggest disappointment for this year is actually a book I rated four stars <laughs> just because I expected it to be like a five star or at least like a 4.5 star read. And it was Hamlet by Maggie O'Farrell. Ah, oh, I'm so upset so, about that. Yeah, I haven't so even like, read it. The thing is, I think you will still like it. I think, again, it's a problem of it was just not what I was expecting it to be. And it was more atmospheric and less like, I don't know. It just wasn't what I was expecting it to be. And it was hyped up too much for me, I think. So I'm in a weird position where my biggest disappointment of the year still was like decent. So, you know, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right this year. The bad books were books I was not expecting to really enjoy anyway. So I'm not salty. Good, good. I'm not glad. salty about it. Happy for you. <laughs> Nina's just pulled a very jealous face at me um, for the sake of listeners who can't see that. I'm looking towards the future. Yeah. That's, that's all I'll say on that. The good books will come. They will come. They will. I trust it. Yeah. Question five, your biggest surprise so far. Now, this one I'm also going to take an interesting stance on. I'm going with This Is Your Brain on Birth Control by Sarah Hill mm. because... It was so You talked shocking. about that book for a very long time. That I think that's one of the longest segments we've, yeah. <laughs> we've done on a single book. Well, okay. <laughs> what was surprising about this wasn't necessarily the read itself, because as soon as I heard about this book, I knew it was going to happen, and I knew I would feel exactly the way I felt about it. However, I'm counting it as a surprise because I never expected the turn my life would take from the moment that I heard of this book on. I never, like, I was, when I tell you, I was so committed to loving my life on birth control and having absolutely zero intention of changing it and even willingly absorbing the unintended consequences of birth control because I appreciated the effects it gave me to now being, like, update seven months into being off of birth control and having absolutely zero intention of going on birth control ever again, hmm. which is just a really surprising change for my life. Mm. I think I was a little bit hesitant to pick it up, and I think whether or not it was surprising it left me with a sense of clarity and conviction and actually like relief to like finally know the secrets that I've been withholding from myself mm. about my own body and what I'm doing to it for a while and I think that came as a shock you know in a lot of ways so that's what I'm going with mm. for a surprise what about you yep Totally, totally fair. This one for me, another recent read, The Adventures of Amina al-Sirafi by S.A. Chakraborty. This is one of very few books that I expected not to enjoy, and I really, really did. And it, as people who listened to, I can't remember if it was the last episode or the one before, whichever episode we ended up figuring out what kind of fantasies I enjoy. It is in episode number 33. It ended up sparking that whole conversation, <laughs> and that was a huge surprise for me, and I'm very pleased about that <laughs> so very keen to read the rest of that i think it's going to be a trilogy when it comes out very exciting all right question six favorite new author this can mean either a debut author or an author that's just new to you this year i'm gonna go with p deji clark i don't mm -hmm. I feel like i pronounce that name differently every time i say it but anyway the author <laughs> of haunting of tramcar 15 mm. that was a very exciting find mm -hmm. and i don't think it was a debut i'm not sure if it was a debut to be honest but it is definitely a new favorite author and someone i want to pick up a lot more of their work mm -hmm. so 
that's my choice. What about you? Great. I did go with the debut author. This one was such an easy pick for me. Perini Shroff, the author of The Bandit Queens. Right. I'm still stunned that that is a debut novel because it's just so unique, so well-crafted, and I cannot stop recommending it to anyone who will listen. I will be picking up anything that she writes. Wonderful. Going forward. Question seven, a book that made you cry. Now... <laughs> Going back to the birth control thing, I have different emotional regulation and have reverted back to the way that I was many years ago before I went on birth control. And also I've gone off of other medications and for, for various reasons, I have very overactive tear ducts. I cry a <laughs> lot. Like I track how much I cry just out of curiosity and it's like <laughs> more than the majority of the month, you know, like wow. now that I'm off of all of these different medications that I was on. And I think it's a very cathartic experience and I appreciate it. And I love when a work of fiction can bring me to tears mm. because it shows like how powerful and moving it is. Unfortunately, I have not cried at that many books this year. <laughs> I think only one <laughs> book made me cry. And mm. I'm upset about that, but I think that's going to change now that, you know, things have changed in my, my, my physical body, but also just within my reading patterns. And the book that made me cry was Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. Mm. Um, there were some okay. really moving parts and really challenging dynamics in that book mm. that struck a particularly sensitive nerve with me. Mm. Definitely made me cry. Definitely made me cry. Mm. Really good book really really good book what about you i was gonna use the book thief again and then i realized that i actually didn't cry this time because i'd already had like the major impact of this book the first time i read it and then the second time i was i like again because <laughs> i'm i'm on medications that specifically stop me from crying so it takes right. a lot nowadays and I, you know, felt a lot, but I didn't fully cry. I think the only book that made me actually tear up so far was Our Wives Under the Sea by Julia Armfield. Mm. And it took me a while to remember whether that one actually made me cry fully. I read it in January, but I'm pretty sure it did. If it didn't, it at least got me very, very close. <laughs> Again, can highly recommend. Question eight, a book that made you happy. I am going to go with I Have Some Questions for You by Rebecca Mackay because oh, okay. not only did I enjoy this book, I also had a very enjoyable experience around the book, you know, going to mm. the book event that I did and feeling like I got to connect with people who shared the experience of reading this book and I got to like ask questions to the author and stuff. So mm. I would say in general, the experience of reading this book was happy and enjoyable and like very satisfying. So that's what I'm going mm. Cool. I found this one really hard <laughs> because I immediately thought of The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches and then realized I'd read that at the end of December, mm. so I couldn't use it. But then once I'd thought of that, no other book that I've read has made me as happy as that book made me because it's just such a wonderful feel-good story. And so everything else I looked at, I, like, I was just scrolling up and down my list over and over and over again. And I'm like, nothing gives me the same feeling that that book gave me. So eventually I, was, I just had to like calm down and be like, okay, stop comparing everything to that book. <laughs> <laughs> the gold standard. So after talking myself down from that standard, I realized that A Psalm from the Wild Built by Becky Chambers was also a very good example of a book that had very happy vibes and I think the one thing that kind of stopped me from thinking of this book straight away was that towards the end there's a lot of like really nice reflective passages that actually nearly made me cry not from sadness but from like feeling seen mm -hmm. and therefore I didn't associate it with a properly happy feeling but 
yeah, it's definitely of the books I've read this year, the one that has the happy vibes and made me feel the most content afterwards. Amazing. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. That sounds (laughs) like a perfect fit. I gotta stop taking everything so literally. It puts me through way too much turmoil. It's just a book tag, Emma. Calm down. <laughs> I know. I feel like I take these questions so deeply. You know, like I'm like, yeah. what? How many levels can I hit this description yeah, on? Yeah. But hopefully, our audience appreciates us for the level of thought we put into these. <laughs> Definitely. I Email us. Let us know. Should we start taking ourselves less seriously, or do you appreciate this? <laughs> Oh, um, I reject that <laughs> offer. I will be taking myself seriously and I what you say. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I have fun with that. Oh, dear. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Okay. Offer rescinded. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Question nine. The most beautiful book you've acquired so far this year? This is a controversial one, but I'm going with Emma. It was... The most beautiful book I acquired this year. And you have restored it to its former beauty now. Thank you. Actually, that's a good point. Maybe I should send you, or I did send you a picture of the restoration I did, and you can add that to the show notes if possible. Yeah, I will, actually. There'll be a bonus Imja album for this episode with the before and after restoration of the very badly crafted (laughs) Penguin classics that uh, is regardless very pretty. Tragically. Mine is the book that I received a print copy of via a giveaway on Storygraph, which is called A Country of Eternal Light by Paul Dalgardino, which if people, I mean, I was about to say if people want to just look it up, but actually since we're doing an Imdra album for this episode anyway, I might just chuck a picture of the cover in that album. Love so it. you don't have to look it up. It's going to be right there. Perfect. <laughs> it's a very pretty book. I haven't read it yet. I don't know what it's about, to be honest. I can't remember. I'm sure I told you about it when I first received it. I would have read the blurb out to you, but I do not remember right now. Don't worry. That's not what the prompt's about. Cool. All right. And the final question, question 10, the book you need to have read by the end of the year. For this one, I am not going to name a specific book, Mm. but I'm just going to say literally any reread, any of my reread challenge goals. Mm. I want just one reread challenge. I think I did one this year. I'm trying to remember what it was. It was the entire series of Shadow Me. Okay. Maybe I blocked that one out in my mind because it wasn't pleasant. (laughs) But I want And to you had do... started I'll Give You the Sun. Right. I, I should finish that one. Or, I mean, finish. I barely got 50 pages in. But I would like to do one or two more rereads before the end of the year. And I've got so many to choose from that mm. I can't imagine it'd be that hard. We'll see. Okay. I have so many that could fit into this category because, of course, I'm still doing all of the challenges. So instead, I've gone with one that doesn't fit into any of them so that I'll try and make this like a separate little goal to finally get around to reading a book that my housemate lent to me probably towards the end of last year after he finished reading it, which is The Storyteller, Tales of Life and Music by Dave Grohl. It's um, Dave Grohl's autobiography. For those of you who may not be aware, Dave Grohl is a musical legend, living legend. He's a yeah rock musician, essentially. He's the lead singer of Foo Fighters. He was the drummer of, of Nirvana for a while. He's a huge, huge name in the rock and metal and grunge scene and also a wonderful storyteller and just generally pretty cool dude. <laughs> um, and my housemate really, really enjoyed his 
autobiography and said that I probably will as well. And unlike other times when people lend me books, like if someone who doesn't live in my own house lends me a book, I will get to it pretty quickly, usually. But when my housemate lends me a book, it does not register as a lent book because it will it go back house. in the same house anyway. <laughs> yeah. And I keep forgetting it's there. <laughs> So even though it's right next to my bed, it's just become part of the room now. So <laughs> I just forget it's there. So this is my reminder to myself that that book is there and needs to be read. Good, good. I would be interested to hear about that one as well. Who doesn't cool. love Dave Grohl? He's a cool dude. He is a funny dude. And I'm sure this will be a very, very well-written autobiography. And my housemate has generally got very good taste in, like, well-written books. He's the one who recommended Horns to me. Mm. I'm sure I'll enjoy it. I just need to remember to read it. <laughs> so, yeah, this is my Wonderful. reminder to myself. Wonderful. And on that note... I think that's all we have for this episode. So thank you everyone for listening. We have been Books Without Borders. As always, you can contact us at our email address, which is bookswithoutborderspod at gmail.com. That's bookswithoutborderspod at gmail.com. That email address is listed in our show notes along with every book we mentioned in this episode and our Imja album, which we're going to have with those book covers and some other stuff we mentioned as well. And we will catch you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.